We are kicking off this new series, Lies About Love. And uh, I just have been thinking about all the different lies I believed about love over the years. And I remember uh, some of the lies specifically that I believed about love when I got engaged to my now wife over 18 years ago. And I know some of you are thinking like, uh, Jaya looks the same and, and that guy looks like an idiot. And you would be right in thinking that, right? Um, Man, you could tell, like, I believe there was a lie of, like, haircuts were bad, right? Uh, And so we believed a lot of lies back then. Uh, Guys, you can take the picture off. I don't think they're going to be able to focus, right? Uh, Just to be honest with you. But, uh, man, that was 18 years ago. And I just think about so many lies that we believed about about love. One of them uh, was uh, in a movie called Jerry Maguire that, that you complete me. Anybody remember that movie? Okay. Anybody remember that sentiment? I think even if you're like, well, I'm too young to know about that movie, like, God bless you. (laughs) But you kind of know the sentiment, like you're looking for not just a spouse, you're looking for a savior. You're looking for somebody that's gonna fill the hole in your heart. And and that's a lie that my wife and I believed. Our our first couple years of marriage, a little pastoral confession, just to, to free up the room that you can confess to in this place. Our first two years of marriage for my wife and I, were awful. I mean, like literally, they were awful. I mean, there was intense fighting. I mean, we, we invented new ways to fight. I mean, we, we would yell as we fought. We would throw things as we fought. Uh, the worst one, would we, we would sit in silence for like two to three hours. Anybody been there? As we fought. We'd cry. We'd whisper. We'd go on a walk. And it was just intense fighting. And I think now, like in hindsight, as we look back at that season of our lives, a lot of it was rooted in, I thought she would complete me. I thought she thought I would complete her. And, and when we didn't, we were shattered. Right? See, here's, here's what's tricky about that though, is like that whole idea of you complete me, it seemed true. And yet it was a lie. Like it wasn't just Jerry Maguire that taught us that. It was every movie, every, every song we listened to, every pithy advice that we received from someone was this concept of, hey, find someone else that checks all these boxes. Like even in the church, they need to check all these boxes because they are the one that's going to complete you. Find the one. And then we get into it and we realize we're a flawed one. We're a very fragile one. And we can't live up to those expectations. And so then those expectations are shattered. And what starts to happen is conflict and sin and strife and pain and even, even shame. But it seems true, like you complete me. It seems so romantic. And yet it was a lie. I love the way a guy named Ian Simpkins says it. He says it this way, you will live out whatever you believe to be true, whether it's true or not. You will live out whatever you believe to be true, whether it's true or not. So see, here's the danger in this in our culture. Here's why we're doing this series is there's so many lies that we believe about relationships and yet we don't think they're lies. They're they're statements handed down from our parents. They're they're in our pop culture. They're on social media. And we we know like time does heal all wounds or or marriage is a 50-50 relationship or sex. It's really, it really is just this physical and some of you, even as I spout off those things, you're thinking like, Tim, are those things not true? <laughs> and that's my point. 
It's so wrapped up in us. It's so wired in us. And, and they're, they're lies about love, not truths about love. And so here's what this whole series is about. If you're wondering, what is this series about? It is about exposing the lies that our culture tells us about love, that your own heart tells you about love. And instead, discovering God's truth for relationships. And listen, this is, this is essential for every one of us in this room. Whether you're single, whether you're dating, whether you're married, widowed, grandparents, I, I don't care. This is essential for every single one of us. Because if you are a follower of Jesus, if you have a relationship with Jesus vertically, you need to know it's impossible to thrive and flourish in that relationship if you do not thrive and flourish in your horizontal relationships with others. Like some of you, you, you believe so many lies about love and it has brought pain and it has brought shame in your life. And so much so that you have checked out and you have isolated yourself and you said, I give up on relationships. And you need to know for the believer in Jesus, that is not an option on the quiz. 59 times in the New Testament, we get these commands around one another, commands. If you look at just general commands in the New Testament, like around the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. How do we obey those commands? In the context of relationship, it's impossible to have a thriving relationship with Jesus if we don't have thriving and flourishing relationships with one another. You can't give up on this. So some of you are thinking, this is like a marriage series, I'm not married. Hey, this is for you too. You have friendships, you have church relationships, membership in the body of Christ hinges on this. So we have, we have to understand what this looks like. And so we're gonna look at the first lie today. Here's what it is. If you take notes, you can write it down. It is this lie of follow your heart. Follow your heart. Heart, not organ, uh, but biblically, the heart is the center of your emotions, your inclinations, your desires. And listen, I'm gonna talk negatively about the heart, but you need to know on the front end, the heart is actually a gift from God. Right? Those emotions that you have, those, those desires that you have, feelings that you have, those are actually a gift given to you by God. And yet that gift has been distorted by, by sin and by your flesh. And so we're gonna talk about this, this lie of, of follow your heart. And we're gonna go to 1 John 4. You can grab a Bible and head there with me. 1 John 4, go to the end of your New Testament. Just flip back a few pages, 1 John chapter four. And John's a great person to help us with our hearts and to help us with love. Uh, John was known as the beloved disciple of Jesus. And in the book of 1 John specifically, he mentions love 46 times. Right, so if we want to understand God's, God's heart, not our own, uh, we need to go to 1 John. We're going to do that in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. So look along with me as I read. It says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God 
But if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Here's our first point. Again, if you take notes in your bulletin, it is this, don't follow your heart, follow the one who created it. Don't follow your heart, follow the one who created it. If you look at the text with me, verse seven, John starts off saying, beloved, let us love. Literally, that's those who are loved will then love, right? And that really sets up an entire sequence that we see throughout the passage of how love works. And we see it if you continue to look at it with me. Verse seven, look at that verse again. It says, let us love one another. Why, John? For love is from God. Verse eight, if you don't love, you don't know God because he is love. Verse 10, later in verse 19, a verse you probably know, we love because he first loved us. Verse 11, God loves us, then we love one another. And if this sounds familiar at all, Jesus said these things first, right? John was the beloved disciple of Jesus. He's, he's stealing all this material from Jesus, okay? Like John chapter 13, it says it this way. Jesus says, as I have loved you, so love one another. Right? So the sequence is clear. God's heart goes first and then ours. See, here's the reality. Our hearts were never meant to be followed. They were meant to be led by something else, something bigger than us. And yet many of us, we got the sequence all wrong. Many of us, specifically around the idea of relationships, even if it's not marriage, even, even if it's just friendship, you are looking for love. And it's derived out of that emotion, like the center of your emotions, your heart, right? And so you start to shape what you, what you want to see in love and, and who you think could be someone that could love you. And, and even if it's just in friendships, even if it's in dating, even if it's in, in marriage, and you start to source your version of love from your own heart, your emotions, how you feel, how someone else makes you feel. And that's where you start. And the sequence is off. You, you got it literally backwards. Like John is emphasizing over and over and over. You know, God loves, God's heart goes first, and then you follow after that. You don't follow your heart, you follow the one who created it. Now, why is this so important? Well, it's important because the Bible is really clear. Our hearts cannot be trusted. I mentioned like our heart, it's a gift, but it's tainted. It's distorted by sin. And there's verses all over the Bible that I could give you. I'm just gonna give you three that say this. Jeremiah 17, nine, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Ecclesiastes 9, verse 3, the hearts of the children of man are full of evil and madness is in their hearts while they live. Jesus in Matthew 15, out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. That's a lot, Jesus. Goodness. Listen, we see this biblically about our hearts, but we also see this practically like your heart, my heart is a moving target. I just think about it even today. Today is the kickoff of not just our fall and like for our church. Today is the kickoff of football season. And just so you know, man, I'm looking to see if you are checking your fantasy football scores. It's this kind of church, okay? I'm watching you, 
right? Because I, I also experience the same temptation, but I'm just on stage and I can't get away with it. Right, today is the, the launch of, of football season. And, and for me, I'm a Cowboys fan. Okay, okay, calm down, calm down. Uh, I heard some cheers. Those are the real Christians in the room. Okay, just let's get that, get that rectified right now. Uh, here's how kind of my heart cycles in and out as a, as a Cowboys fan. Before the season starts, man, I, I'm hopeful. I, like, I'm excited, I'm optimistic. But I kid you not, I start looking at where is the Super Bowl gonna be because we might get tickets if the Cowboys go. That's how sick your pastor is, Okay. And I start to get really excited and really hopeful about my team, the Cowboys, God's team, you know, my team too. And, and, and I, I start to get really hopeful and then something little happens, like somebody gets injured on the team or an article is written about Dak Prescott, our quarterback, that he can't hack it. And my excitement starts to turn to sadness. And I start to tell my wife, I don't even think I'm gonna watch the team this year. I think I'm just gonna love Jesus more and pray more and read my Bible. Like, I just don't even think it's worth it. I'm just invest more in my family. It's not even worth it. And listen, that's from one day to the next. That's like Monday to Tuesday, All right? And, and I don't know what your, your thing is or what sport you like or what affinity you have, but man, all of us, we can go up and we can go down. And that's, that's our hearts doing that. And it's not even just like from day to day, it's from moment to, to moment. Our heart, scripture says, is divided. And it's not just scripture, it's the movie Incredibles that says this. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the movie Incredibles. It's one of my kids' favorite movies. And uh, the little kid that kind of grows up and becomes the villain, and he loved Mr. Incredible, but then he starts to go after Mr. Incredible. He says to Mr. Incredible this, profound, be ready. He said, you always say be true to yourself, but you never say which self. That'll preach, Amen. I mean, the reality is right now in your heart, you do have some optimism, but you do also have some anxiety. You do have some excitement, but you may even have some depression. Right now in your heart, the center of your emotions and feelings, you have all that going on with you all the time. You're complicated, right? It's just reality. And so when we say things like, follow your heart, it's like, which part? Which day? How many of you, your heart has changed over the last 10 years? How many of you, your heart has changed over the last 10 minutes? Right? It can't, it can't be trusted. We know this biblically, but we also know this, this practically. And so God gives us a, a better way. Follow the one who created your heart. How do we do that? That's our next point. We resist our heart's version of love. We resist our heart's version of love. Look at verse 10. Verse 10, John says it, says it this way, in this is love. So he's about to describe and define love. Get ready. In this is love. Not that we have loved God. John, what's, what's your definition for love? Like you're the, the love expert, beloved disciple of Jesus, 46 times mentions love in the book of 1 John. John, what is love? And this is love. First, you need to know it's not that you love God. It's not your version of love. It's not your heart's version of love. Hey, he's gonna get to, to God's heart for love and agape love and unconditional sacrificial love. We're gonna get into that more in just a moment. But he, but he first says, hey, I want you to know that this is love. 
And it's not what you think it is. And it doesn't start with you. It starts with God's heart for love. We need to resist our heart's version of love. And if we could summarize God's heart for love as unconditional love, I think we can summarize our heart for love as transactional love. Like as you look at at scripture, as you look at even in life and the way we engage in relationships, it's not unconditional, it's very transactional. So it's built around words and phrases like if or as long as. Like I, I will be loved if I do this. I will experience love if I don't do this. I will be lovable if I have this. I won't be lovable if I don't have this. Anybody been there? And that's, that's how our heart works, right? It's very transactional. It's very if or as long as. And the moment those conditional statements, they break down, again, just like my wife and I, things break down, your relationship breaks down, your marriage breaks down, your friendship breaks down. How many of you in the last three years have lost friends? How many of you, they've been at least strained? Because so many things, all COVID did, all the polarization and political season did, you know what it did? It just accelerated and surfaced what was already there. It did. It just accelerated. It's, you thought, we thought we had like churches filled with unconditional love and relationships. And no, 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 they were transactional. As long as we vote a certain way, we'll keep relationship. As long as we speak online a certain way, we'll keep relationship. As long as we wear a mask or don't wear a mask, we'll keep relationship. And some of you are thinking like, I don't know if it's that simple. I've seen it. I have pastor friends. They're not friends anymore. People in church networks have hopped out of those networks. Oh, I thought we were, I thought it was unconditional love. I thought we we're all believers in Jesus, agape love. Oh no, it turns out it was transactional love. And when things got hard and the transaction didn't go our way, the contract was breached. We got out of that relationship. That's our heart and our culture. And even sometimes our churches are filled with that kind of love. And John wants to say, hey, here's, here's where love starts. Not that, not you. We got to look to something greater. We got to look to something bigger. We have to resist. We have to understand that that is a, that transactional love that we all operate on, if, as long as. And that's, that's a lie from the enemy. That is not what we should be as Christians who follow Jesus Christ, who exhibited agape love unconditional love. That's how we operate. Amen. That's what marriage is about. It's not a piece of paper. Somebody in our church sent me a text yesterday. Hey, here's a great lie about love. Marriage is a piece of paper. That's great. We should have added that one to the series. It's not just a piece of paper. It's this supernatural, unconditional love that is informed and affected by Jesus Christ himself. That's why marriage is this picture of Christ and his bride. Amen. It all stems from that. And if we get it backwards, if we start with this transactional love, nothing, nothing, nothing works. And it's not just that it doesn't work. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. It's exhausting because it's confusing. 
Because many of us, the way we do relationships, friendships, single, dating, married, married with our grandkids, the way we do relationships even in the church, we think we're operating like, well, if they say hi, I'll say hi. If they apologize, then I'll apologize. If they invite us, I don't want to come on too strong, but if they say something, like the greeters say something, then I will say hi. Like it's all transactional. And we're operating on that thinking it's true because it's in our hearts and we're thinking it's true and yet it's lies. And so we get frustrated when it doesn't work because we think, no, Tim, I'm trying. I'm trying in my marriage. I'm trying in friendships. It just doesn't work for me. Do you ever say things like that? You, you think it's true, but your foundational assumption is a lie. It's not about transactional love. It's about unconditional love. And therefore, you're exhausted and you're confused. And so you opt out of relationships altogether. You think, let's just go ahead and file the divorce papers now. It's not worth it. No, I, try, I tried. It doesn't work for me. Yeah, transactional love doesn't work for anybody. So we have to expose that lie and counter it with God's truth. And we have to understand how you and I, every single day, listen, every single day, this morning when you woke up and looked at social media, you're filling your heart with transactional love, with that lie. You're looking at social media and seeing another couple who went to the beach and you're like, I didn't even know they could stay on houses at the end of a pier and look down and see the nice blue water. I didn't even know that was possible other than celebrities. And your heart starts to get jealous. You start to compare your relationship to that relationship. And you start to think, if only we could have that bungalow over the water, then our marriage would go great as well. Or if only our kids had that private training that we see on social media, like then he would be a successful athlete and then we would have a great family dynamic and relationships. Or if only I had like that secret to success financially and cracking the code on investments that you see on social media or somebody who ha has a great job, you're like, if only I could get that, then we would have this. And it's transactional. And we're filling our hearts with that. We're filling our hearts with, with Barbie, with, with movies. Listen, I don't know how many times, this boggles my mind, okay? I don't know how many times over the last few months I've heard Christians argue about the movie Barbie. And whether it's a good example for relationships or whether it's a horrible example for relationships. Listen, when did we start looking to Barbie and movies for any kind of example in relationships. Last time I checked, we go to God's word for that. And I don't care what your opinion is on it. Don't give it to me afterwards. I'm just saying, should we have the expectation that a movie that Barbie is gonna set our relationships right? No, we go to God's word for that. Right? And so we need to resist these cultural lies about love, this transactional love that's in our movies, that's in our, our music, that's on our social media, that's, that's filling our heart because what fills your heart will lead to your hands. Right? Proverbs 4.23 says it, guard your heart. Why? It's a wellspring. Everything flows from your heart. 
And yet you're putting, bar oh, Barbie's my standard for relationships or music or social media or this picture. And I'm gonna start my day with that. Like before my Bible, I'm gonna grab my phone. Before I go to God's word, I'm gonna go to a movie. And you start there. And instead of resisting your heart, man, you're filling your heart with lies every single day. And today's the day to wake up. Wake up. Those are lies. Let's expose them for what they are and let's look at God's truth because what you fill your heart with will lead to your hands. It will lead to your relationships. It's not just a post. It's not just a movie. It's not just music. It is shaping. It is informing and affecting how you love your wife or how you don't. It is shaping, informing, and affecting how you apologize to people or how you don't. How you forgive people or how you hold on to bitterness because our whole culture is telling you, that's okay, it's transactional. And we have to resist that. And the last thing is we have to obsess over God's heart for love. We resist our heart for love, but we obsess over God's heart for love. I wanna summarize God's heart for love in this passage in two ways. Love gives and love stays. Verse 10, look at that verse. We see love gives. John says, and this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. This isn't transactional love. This is unconditional love. This is sacrificial love. And it's all wrapped up into that word that you can't say without spitting, propitiation, right? Propitiation, what does that word mean? It means what, what he said a little bit earlier that God's love was made manifest in Jesus Christ, that he came, he laid down his life for us. That idea of propitiation is an effect of that, that in the cross of Jesus Christ, here's what happened. Jesus absorbed all the wrath for all the sin, past, present, and future. And if that wasn't good enough, he exchanged it for favor. He absorbed all the wrath past, present, and future for all of your sin and exchanged it for favor. See, in one sense, I was thinking about it this week, that love of Jesus, it's transactional too. Except Jesus did both sides of the transaction. He took all your sin. He took all God's wrath for sin. He took it, but he also gave you favor. He did both before you ever did anything. And I'm not just saying theologically, I'm saying practically. Jesus died on the cross and gave you his favor, absorbed his wrath and sin, your sin. He did that over 2000 years ago before you ever existed, before you could ever do anything to earn his favor, before you could memorize some verses, attend some church services, before you could say the right things and, and sound spiritual when you pray or, or, or love your spouse as, as you ought to or obey God in the context of relationships, show the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, before you were able to do any of that because you did not exist yet. Jesus Christ, come on people, this is good. Jesus Christ absorbed all of wrath for all of sin, past, present, and future, and gave you all of his favor. And he did both without you even in the equation giving anything. We need to expose the lies of our culture about love. And we need to discover God's truth and heart for love because it is transformative. 
It will change you. It will change your relationships. And you need to obsess over this. I chose that word intentionally, obsess over God's heart for love. Because so many of us, we're looking for love. And we don't even know how to receive first the love of God. And, and one of my good friends, Chad Moore, he, he says it this way, man, our, our greatest problem isn't that we don't love God enough. It's that we don't realize how much he loves us. I think, I think that's right. Our greatest problem in relationships is not that we don't love enough or we don't look enough or we don't try hard enough. So we haven't received first the unconditional love, obsessed over it. You see, I know some of you, you know what the word propitiation means. You've been in church long enough. And if you don't know that word, you know Jesus Christ died for your sin, took on the wrath of God. You've been to a Good Friday service, gave you his righteousness, gave you his favor. You could get that answer right on a quiz. Some of you, I fear, are listening to me right now and you're like, I know, I know but do you obsess over it? Do you, do, you, do you fix your eyes on it? In the midst of your broken marriage, are you, are you clinging to that with everything that you have? As lies hit you every single day, are you, are you obsessing over, this is the way God loves. Let me just tell you, if we start to obsess over that kind of love and not just get the answer right on a quiz and not just come to church and go through the motions and say a few cute words like propitiation and impress your friends at the next party, but if we really got this, I'm not saying it would fix all your relationships. I'm not saying they would be easy, but I am saying they would be possible in Jesus' name because of his unconditional love embraced in your life. And then you start to extend that in your relationships. And that's what John is telling us. Don't follow our heart. Follow the one who created it. Resist your heart's version of love, but also obsess over God's heart love, the love that gives, the love that stays, that's undeserved, that's unconditional. That's where it's found. I love the way Henry Nouwen, he's an author, he says it this way. He says, if we do not know we're the beloved sons and daughters of God, we're going to expect someone in the community to make us feel that way. And they cannot. They cannot. And so many of our problems, so many of our difficulties in relationships and we are expecting someone else to fill a God-sized hole and you need to take the pressure off of them because they can't do it. You need to reset your expectations. You need to obsess over the love of God and not obsess over the love of your spouse and not obsess over the love of a friend. And they said this, and you wish they would have said this. And it's never gonna happen. Our relationships are never gonna thrive that way. For me and my wife, those first two years, you're like, you never wrapped up that story. Did it get better? <laughs> And I would say, yeah, it did get better. And it didn't get better by reading some self-help books on relationships. And it didn't get better by going to see Barbie. <laughs> it got better. You know how it got better? Is we started to relieve the pressure on each other to be savior. And we just looked at each other as a spouse. And we started looking at Jesus as our savior who already, before we ever did anything, loved us so much that he absorbed wrath for sin and he gave us his favor. And that, man, just like, you could just like take a deep breath right now. And we just took a deep breath finally and just, we started to be freed up to love one another. We read a book called Grace Awakening by Chuck Swindoll. 
and we read it together. It's just like God's grace for us, God's love for us. And we obsessed over that. And then we started to extend that kind of love to one another. So that's, that's my hope for you. That's my hope for you in this, in this series. Man, I'm praying that we will see right now that you've already identified some of the lies that you're believing about love in your heart. And that you're gonna start resisting those things, start excluding those things and start replacing them with God's heart for love. And I wanna practice that as we close our time together. The band's gonna come back up. Uh, we're gonna sing a song about the love of the Father for you. And I just wanna, I wanna practice this right now, even as we pray, if you would do this with me, you can hold out your hands right now and just put them in an open posture. Just hold out your hands like this. This is, is both a sign of letting go and of, of receiving. And I want us this morning, I just want us to let go of the lie about love that is transactional. I just want us to open our hands and literally like figuratively give this away to God. Like all of these lies that we believe from our own heart, that if we do this, as long as this, and I just want us to give that to God. And also I want us to receive his supernatural, unconditional, agape love. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, as we have our hands open, I just symbolically, we ask right now that you would take every lie that we brought in here, that's in our hearts even, about the way we love one another, about even the way we love you, God, we just open-handed, we just give that away to you. We don't want to hold on to it any longer. God, it's crushing us. It's crippling our marriages. God, it's destroying and, and robbing our, our, our friendships of any sort of joy and meaning. And as we open our hands, God, I just, by the power of your spirit, I just say, we give that to you. We give those lies away to you in Jesus' name. And instead, God, we receive, we obsess over your love for us through Jesus Christ. How deep your love is for us. Like a father to a child, you gave us your son, Jesus. You took the wrath that we deserve for sin, for lies. And you exchanged it for favor. Oh God, may we never Stop receiving that love. Stop obsessing over that love. Stop singing about that love. Stop celebrating that love. May that never become numb to us. And God, instead, I pray as we look at it, as we receive it, we would also be able to extend it to one another. And that would change our relationships from the inside out for your glory and for our joy. And you can do that. And so we pray that in Jesus' name, amen.